All right, let's get into uh, the nature of seed. We talked about it some last week. Some of what we're going to talk about this week may be review for those of you who were here last week. Not because I don't think that you have the ability to get it last week, but uh, oftentimes those of you who are with us on Wednesday night for Alpha Faith, um, you'll, you'll understand uh, sometimes we repetition allows us to constantly be able to meditate and chew on it. And the more you meditate and chew on it, it's kind of what, it's what cows and sheep do, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Why? Because we are his sheep, right? What do sheep do? The same thing cows do. They eat green grass, right? And they chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. And then they swallow it, right? And then they do what, what scientifically is called, they masticate. Or here in Texas, we scientifically call it chewing the cud, right? So what do they do? It comes back up, doesn't it? And then they chew on it some more, chew on it some more, and then they swallow it again, and then it comes back up, and they chew on it and chew on it some more. Why? Because they are grinding out every possible piece of nutrient they can out of that living grass, right? Well, the Word of God is living, and that's what we do. We, we take it, and we recite it, we think about it, we ponder on it. And then about the time that you, you set it down, all of a sudden it comes back up because of something in life or in teaching or you turn on the radio and you hear someone else talking about it and you're like, we just talked about that, you know, and it comes back up, comes back up. Well, what are you doing? You're grinding out every piece of nutrient and life that you can from the word of God so that it gets from your heart, from your mind to your heart. And when the word gets from your mind to your heart, now it's in the cradle of faith because we're supposed to believe from our hearts, not from our mind. Believe in your heart, the Bible says. It doesn't say believe in your mind. Your mind is for processing and rationalizing. Your heart is for feeling and grabbing and loving and hoping, right? Those, those are all parts of faith. And once it's in your heart, <clears throat> then it can start coming out of your mouth with conviction. And you can speak the word out and manifest it in your life. Amen. So, through this series, last week, this week, and next week, you're going to hear some repetition, but it's so that it gets from our mind into our hearts. Uh-oh, I just triggered our countdown. We have a countdown to the sermon. Y'all hang on. I'll start preaching in about two minutes, 48 seconds. There we go. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 talks about this concept of a seed. Galatians 6, 7 reads uh, in the New Kings, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You'll always harvest what you plant. The Amplified puts it this way. For whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. You can't plant an apple tree and expect to get a banana tree, right? You can't plant oranges and expect to get a pineapple, right? Can't plant corn and expect to get watermelon. If you plant corn, you're going to get corn. If you plant goodness, if you sow goodness throughout your life, you're going to reap goodness. You can't uh, sow division, discord, negativity, and anger and expect to get unity, happiness, and pleasure, and blessing, right? So anything that you plant, that's what you're going to reap. Now, someone actually had a really good uh, question this week. They said, what if... What if I have planted some rough stuff? And I'm getting the weeds of that back, right? <laughs> I've planted some, some harshness. I've planted some division. How do I, well, you know, what do you do with weeds in your yard? You got to get out and kill them, dig them up sometimes, right? You can't just go mow them over, right? 
If you mow them down, you go, hey, that looks pretty good until about two days later when your grass is still short, but the weeds are all tall and proud, aren't they? <laughs> it's like, where'd you come from? You got to get them up. In other words, sometimes, sometimes you got to go to the person that you sowed wrongness in and apo- humble yourself and apologize. You've you got to call your, your kids to the side because sometimes we mouth off in ways we shouldn't to our kids. And we have to apologize. I've done that as a dad. You know what, girls? I'm so sorry. I was wrong, right? It's hard, but you got it. What is that? You're pulling weeds. You're trying to get that, that stuff. Uh, Ryan was talking about it uh, during, during worship today. Sometimes you got to get those weeds up. But if we understand that everything we do in life ultimately is seed, we are sowing seed constantly. Even if you go to gas up and you go to pay the attendant, you can sow seeds. You can sow seeds of kindness. You can sow seeds of encouragement. You can sow seeds of, you wonder why Chick-fil-A is prospering so much? Man, their employees are always sowing good stuff, whether they want to or not, right? It's part of their job. When you say thank you at Chick-fil-A, what do you get? My pleasure, our pleasure, you know? Now, I personally love Popeyes a little better than (laughs) Chick-fil-A. You go to Popeyes and say, thank you. Sometimes you'll get my pleasure. Sometimes you'll get, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Yeah, take your chicken, go home. (laughs) But... (laughs) So, so in other words, in other words, everything we do is seed, which means this, that your harvest in life, if you're going to harvest blessing, if you're going to harvest goodness, if you're going to harvest the word, if you're going to harvest anything in your life, guess who is 100% responsible for that? You are directly responsible for your harvest. That's weighty, but it's also encouraging because that means Howard doesn't have the authority or power to influence my harvest if I don't want him to. Now, if he comes up and he's sowing good stuff in me, man, I'll take all that I can get, right? But if he comes up and he's in a foul mood and he says some rough things to me, I don't have to accept that in my garden. I don't have to accept that in my fields. Hey, I love you. I disagree with you. We're going to take a break. I'll get you Popeye's next week. (laughs) But, but for now, we, hey, I'm not going to let that seed plant into, into my garden, right? So, so we are directly responsible. My harvest is totally dependent on what kind of uh, seed I sow. Genesis 1.29, we talked about this last week. Some of this is review, like I said. So God just got through blessing Adam and Eve. The first words out of his mouth was a blessing. He said, be fruitful, multiply, go have dominion, replenish, have authority. I mean, he gave them incredible authority to operate in this world. And then he tells them this, verse 29, and God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you, it shall be for food. If you go and read the Hebrew translation, it is, I have given you seeding seed is what he said, seeding seed, and for you it shall be for provision. And we, we quoted it like, God shall provide for my every need according to his riches and glory. Amen. How does he provide for a lot of those needs? 
through this whole concept that he started all the way back in Genesis when he was establishing his kingdom on this earth originally. You want provision? Awesome. I got you covered. I have given you seeding seed. You got a big old bag of seed. Whatever you need, sow it. If you need happiness, go sow some happiness. If you need peace, go sow some peace. You need forgiveness. You be sure to be merciful and sow forgiveness. Say, well, I need some finances. Perfect. Sow some finances. If you have a need, sow a seed. That's a pretty simple concept. Matter of fact, Genesis 8.22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. I asked this question. I'll ask it again this week. Does the earth remain? Yes. So that, does that mean seed time and harvest remain? Yes. It's in the naturally, hey, there's times to plant, right? There's times to plant for a summer, summer crop. There's time to plant for the fall crop and a spring crop. There's, there's seed time and harvest. But just as much as it's in the natural, the Bible says in Romans says the invisible things of God the invisible attributes of God are made known by that which is seen. So in other words, he created this whole bit of nature so that we can look at his creation and we can understand how he operates in the spirit. So how does seed really apply to the kingdom? Absolutely. Now, Peter, the apostle Peter, got with Mark, theologians believe, and sat down and had Mark transcribe his gospel, Peter's gospel. Peter hung out with Jesus quite a bit for those three years. So he had, a, he had some good news to tell. And they believe Mark is the one that wrote it down. So when you read the book of Mark, you're virtually reading the book of Peter, quite possibly as well. Right? So Peter, in recounting some of Jesus' sermons, if you, if you read Mark chapter 4, and the thing about Peter wasn't a man of many words. He cut to the chase. So when you read the gospel of Mark, it's like reading Cliff Notes. Y'all remember Cliff Notes in school? Man, I love them cliff notes till the teachers figured it out, right? Now, I don't know what kids do these days, nowadays, right? I guess they use AI. Was that, you know, but, but man, back in the day, it was cliff notes. Boy, you could read a, you could read a whole book in about 10 minutes, right? That's, that's Mark is almost a quick synopsis. It, it, he just jumps right into the, the, the action. So, so Peter in Mark chapter 4 gives the synopsis of four of Jesus' sermons, and then he talks about a miracle when Jesus calmed the storm. Well, one of those sermons was about putting the lamp on the lampstand, right? You don't take a lamp and cover it, but you put it on a lampstand so that it can illuminate everything, right? The other three sermons all had to do with seed. So when, when Peter was thinking back, and Peter was a fisherman, he wasn't a farmer, so apparently he was pretty fascinated with this concept. Mark chapter 4, here we are. These are the three instances. Mark chapter 4, 2 and 3. He taught them, Jesus taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow seed. If you hop down to Mark uh, uh, four twenty six, he says this. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Verse 30 and 32, again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? 
Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes, or when it, it is sowed, it grows and it becomes. Becomes what? It, he said it becomes a great big bush that, that even birds can come and, and nest in, right? And it starts out as a, almost like a, a grain of sand. A mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. Yet here, three times, Jesus is talking about seed. So the kingdom of God is very much about seeds, sowing seeds. So, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the nature of a seed. Anyone remember from last week, those of you who are here, you remember this last verse is where we got the first set of, when we said, hey, here's the nature of the seed, the first set of information I want you to remember. Anyone remember what it was? I said, when you go home this week, remember that a seed, what? When it sows, it what? Grow. I heard someone say grows. What else? And becomes. Good. So the nature of a seed that we learned last week, I told you we're going to learn three sets of threes. Last week we learned that a seed, when it is sown, it grows and it becomes. So everything that you plant this week, you can be assured that it is going to grow. The only thing a seed knows to do is how to grow. That's what it is programmed. You put an acorn in the ground, at some point it is going to become a huge oak tree. It's amazing to know that all of the genetic information to become a mighty oak was packed into one, one small seed. But it knows what to do. The ground knows what to do, right? And it grows and it becomes something bigger, something greater. So if you say, look, I, I sowed some seed into one area of my life. It wasn't a whole lot. Well, that's all right because it's going to grow and become greater than what you put into the ground, you know. Uh, I would put one little cucumber seed <laughs> in the ground in my garden, and from that, a whole cucumber vine would come up, and it would, man, there would be, you know, maybe a dozen cucumbers grow off of one vine. That's pretty powerful, you know. So all of a sudden, you get, you know, you get, I, I, I told you I did square foot gardening. I, so I had, I had a bunch of boxes, eight by eight, so that's 16 square feet. Man, you can plant all kind of stuff. If you divide it per square feet, you can plant all kind of stuff per square feet. Let me just tell you, you don't want to plant cucumbers next to squash because when the bees come and the wasps come and they pollinate, you get some weird alien squash cumbers or something, man. It is like, what in the world have I created here? They're tasty. They're just kind of, you know, they're a little weird. But Man, you get a ton of cucumbers. You get a ton. One little grain of corn I would plant. So you could plant two stalks of corn per square feet. So the whole back row of one box, man, that'd be, that'd be eight stalks of corn. You get all kind of corn off of eight stalks. So eight little seed would produce all this corn. Because that little seed would become, it would grow and become something greater. All right, so this week... Let's go back. We're going to go back up. Mark 4.26. We, uh, we read part of it just a second ago. But let's look at the whole thing here. And he said, the kingdom of God is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. So, so notice that the man went and he scattered seed. Now, he didn't mess with the seed. He didn't fret over the seed. He didn't worry about the seed. 
he went to sleep night after night, and he woke up, and he did his business day after day, right? Said, uh, and he'd rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. He doesn't know how it does it. He's not worried about it. He just knows if I sow a seed into that good soil, it's going to grow, and it's going to become something greater, right? Verse 28, for the earth yields crops by itself. So, so the earth, the ground knows what to do. When you sow into the kingdom of God, it knows what to do. If you sow time, you're going to reap time. If you sow love, you're going to reap love. If you sow blessing, you're going to reap blessing. It knows what to do. You don't have to manipulate it. You don't have to try to control it. You don't have to fret about it. Find, show me one farmer who goes out and plants seed and then the next day comes out and looks at his field and says, well, that didn't work. Yeah, that's our mindset sometimes in Christianity. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to be obedient. And then you step out and you sow that seed whatever in whatever form it is. And then when it doesn't pop out of the microwave of your thoughts <laughs> and your expectations, you say, well, God, I tried your word. It didn't work. I've never seen a crop sprout up overnight. Now, I've, I've seen miracles take place. And remember, we said that miracles tend to compress time. But, but that's when a miracle takes place. Normally, a crop takes a while, right? So it says, for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. We mentioned this last week, but we're going to take a deeper look into it. The, uh, and then verse 29 says, but when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So when it was time, when, when, when he saw that the harvest was good, he didn't delay. He went ahead and harvested. He went out and got it. He claimed his harvest, right? This is how the King James puts verse 28. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. So I, I actually used uh, the title of part two based on the King James. The blade, the ear, and the corn, okay? Those are the three, thing, the three natures I want you to grab hold of this week. Last week, it's, you, we learned that if you sow a seed, it grows and it becomes. This week, I want you to concentrate on the blade, the ear, and the corn. That's the cool thing if you ever plant a garden or if, you're, if, if you've grown up with a farmer, if you grew up on a farm, you, you always could get a little excited. You know, how do I know if the seed that I planted is really doing what it needs to do? Because there's a little bit of time you can't see anything. You know? uh, now, when I, you know, back, like I said, when, when I lived out in Rockwall, well, I had a big yard, and so I had about four Four, at one time, I think I had about six garden boxes. Man, I had a, tons of garden I would do. And now, during that time, Sophie was little. And so Sophie would help me plant a garden. And she'd get excited. She'd come home from school every day and go check on the garden, right? And after a few weeks, before you know it, all of a sudden, she'd come in. One time, she came in and she said, we got lucky clovers all over our garden. Well, I go out there, and sure enough, that's what it looked like, a bunch of clover. Well, what was that? It was the blade, right? Now, corn wouldn't come up as clover. Corn would come up as, it would look like a little blade, right? Sticking up out of the ground. That's how wheat and that's how oats and, and barley do as well. 
Uh, but, you know, cucumbers and, and lettuce and tomatoes, all that stuff, yeah, it pops up, looks like clover. And so she, the, to her, they were all lucky clovers, right? Man, man, man our garden's going to be good. And then before long, especially with corn, first you see the blade, you get excited. Hey, it's working. So you just keep at it. You keep watering it, and you leave it alone, and you trust that it's going to do what it's going to do, right? Then the next thing you get, the stock would eventually have the ear on it. Right? It's what we call the husk, right? Now, you don't go and grab it and pick it then because you got to wait for the full corn to develop in the ear. Same thing with wheat. If you're going to grow wheat, you're, you're going to get what, what would be considered the ear, and then inside you'd get all the grains of it, right? So these are all signs where you can tell where you are in your harvest. First, the blade. Everyone say the blade. Now say the ear, the ear, and then finally, corn. <laughs> you get corn, right? The full corn. Uh, trust me, y'all would get all very upset if I said, come on over, man. We got some corn on the cob. And all of a sudden, like, all you have is a cob. It'd say, what's that? Oh, well, I was in a rush. <laughs> I knew y'all were coming over, so I just went ahead and went out and picked it. Well, the corn wasn't ready yet. Harvest wasn't ready. In other words, it wasn't time for the harvest. So... What, what I want to encourage you today is this. Pray for the Lord to identify the blade, the ear, and the full corn in your life. If you've sown seeds, have faith. It's going to take some time, and we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to take a, talk about the patience you've got to have you know, when you're sowing seed. But it's a promise. It's provision. God said all the way back in Genesis, I've given you seeding seed. If you, if you have need of provision, sow it. That was the concept that he taught. Well, how do I know it's working? Because you're going to get a blade. And you'll eventually get an ear. And you'll eventually get some corn. I'll give you an example from my life. I can, give you, I can keep you here all day long. I don't think you'd like that. So I'll give you one example from my life. <laughs> uh, many of you have heard the story of me becoming pastor here at Gathering Church. When I was 16 years old, had an incredible encounter with the Lord at youth camp, actually, of all things. Was praying. It was about 5 o'clock in the morning. I was in the corner of the cafeteria. An old brother, Blakey, he was the guy who did all the cooking. And he let me in. I went back there to pray. Had this incredible encounter with the Lord. Uh, I had been preaching since I was 12 years old. So I was 16 years old. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you... I want you to fully sell out to me. I want you to give me everything. And the day's going to come. You're going to be my servant, and you'll work for me. I'll be your boss, and you're going to work in the kingdom. And I knew what he meant, that the day would come I'd be full-time ministry. And he said, now I want you to be seri get serious about this. Now, why did he tell me this? Because I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to do this. I was going to be a musician. I was 16 years old. I'd already been doing studio sessions around Dallas. I was already having bands talk to me, uh, gospel bands and Christian rock bands and, and all these bands that were touring and traveling. Hey, Dave, when are you going to graduate? I had two more years till I graduated. My plans were I was going to graduate. I was heading to Nashville. I was going to be in the middle of the music scene. That's what I wanted to do. I was going to go play drums and, and make a living doing that. I don't want to go preach. I was preaching because I was passing my time at church. I was involved in youth group. And my pastor was saying, Dave, why don't you preach this Sunday? Okay, fair enough. Give me something to do. It's a lot more fun than sitting back there counting ceiling tiles, right? 
Just being honest. <laughs> Some of y'all know how many ceiling tiles are in this room, don't you? You can't fool me. I've been there. <laughs> so that night, or that morning rather, I made a massive commitment to the Lord. Now, everything I did from that point on was sowing seed of, of learning, being mentored by my longtime pastor, Glenn Davis, mentored of how to shepherd, how to love people, how to care for people, uh, mentored on public speaking and preaching, uh, classes I took. All of a sudden, I was speech and debate club president. I don't even like debating, but I was speech and debate club president. I was, uh, you know, in, in speech and, and uh, competition uh, oratory, all this stuff. Uh, you know, my, my, my college decision, my job decisions, career choice, all the, everything was shaped around the day, come, the day would come that I would be in full-time ministry. And, and sure enough, you know, fast forward to January 1 of 2018. Uh, Gathering Church was started October of 2017. January 1, 2018, I get called into a meeting with some of the folk that founded the church. Said, hey, you're already shepherding the neighborhood from your front porch. Why don't you come make it official? That was the blade. Yes, I was the porch pastor, as they called me. I said, who? They said, man, we already got a porch pastor in this neighborhood. We've been praying for a pastor. We already got a porch pastor. I said, who's who? I thought I knew everybody in this neighborhood. I want to meet this guy. And they're all looking at me like I'm an idiot. Like, we're talking about you. <laughs> okay, that was the blade. All those years of sowing seed of ministry, all of a sudden there was a blade. Boop, popped up. Now, five months later, May of 2018, I came over to accept the, the role of pastor here at the church. That was the year. Was that the harvest? No. I was still working a full-time plus job, right? Now, about two years later, I'm sitting in a board meeting, and they said, hey, how long, would, would, how long do you need to turn in your uh, resignation to your job so you can pastor full-time? I said, this resignation? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I knew that there was an ear. There was going to be some corn showing up in that ear. And you remember it said as soon as he saw the corn in the ear that the farmer takes the sickle and he harvests immediately. So when the Lord appeared, like I said, hey, here it is. I didn't delay, man. This has been a 33-year harvest. And sure enough, it happened. Why did Now, some of you say, I don't have 33 years to give to wait on a harvest. Well, the Lord knows what, he knows what duration you need for your harvest. And, and trust me, you wanted, me, you wanted it, trust me, you wanted it to take 33 years for me because I'm not the same person I used to be, even five years ago, seven years ago. You, you wouldn't have wanted me here 10 years ago. You know, there was a lot of growing and maturing that that seed had to do. But I can identify the blade, the ear, and the full corn. Uh, pastor Jerry Savell, uh, pastors a uh, wonderful church in Fort Worth for many, many years, Years ago, back in the 80s, he was flying everywhere. He would pass her on Sunday. He would have to fly and do uh, conferences during the week. He, he was flying around everywhere using commercial aviation. The problem was he would fly to an airport, still have to get a car, drive three, four hours to the destination he needed to. So the Lord started dealing with him about getting a, his own airplane. Now, he wasn't talking about a big 
Lear luxury jet, but just something that, you know, two propellers he could get around where he needed to. And he said, Lord, I, I, I'm not going to go in debt for this. He said, don't you worry about it. So I'm going to need a pilot. He said, don't you worry about it. So he just started sowing seed financially into other ministries as the Lord directed. So, and he would identify it. This is for, this is for my airplane. This is for my, when, the, when the Lord provides, this is for my airplane. Now, he saw his blade take place. Uh, it turns out, eventually, there was a gentleman in his church that had just started attending, had just recently retired, and said, hey, I think you could use some help in the administration part of the ministry. I would love to come work and, and be the administrator. He said, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And you wouldn't have to pay me a lot. I'm retired. I, I just need something to do. So he said, all right, well, come on. A couple of months into that employment time, he got to chatting with a guy. Turns out the guy's a former military pilot, had flown just about everything you can imagine, had over 10,000 hours up in the air, and had flown commercial aviation, everything. So he said, there's my blade, <laughs> right? And then uh, he, he had to go preach somewhere in Arkansas, took the church van, and on his way there, the Lord said, I don't want you to take any offering during this uh, conference that you're preaching at. Don't take up any offering. They're not going to pay you anything. He said, all right, well, how, how are we going to pay the bills? He said, you leave that up to me. He said, okay, yes, sir. So he sowed that. And when, when he got there, the pastor said, hey, if you can stick around till Saturday and, and speak for a Saturday morning, we're going to have a minister's breakfast because we want to sow into all the ministers and we're going to feed them breakfast. He said, okay, how, 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 how big of a crowd? He goes, oh, about 25 preachers. He goes, I'll cover all the breakfast. I'll pay for all the breakfast because the Lord told him to do that. He said, okay. Turns out 150 preachers showed up. <laughs> so he's, he was obedient. He's having to pay. Not only did he get, not get paid, he wound up having to pay 150 breakfast. All right. Here, here you go, Lord. So on his way back, him and his youth pastor was with him on the trip. They, they stopped in Texarkana, Arkansas, and in El Chico, Right? Y'all remember when El Chico used to be like really, we thought, man, that was pretty good Mexican food. Praise God he evolves us, right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to dog El Chico. If you got stock in El Chico and you're watching, God bless you. Uh, but he's, he's sitting there, and actually his youth pastor at the time, those of you who have been around, his youth pastor was uh, Russ Taff. Russ Taff used to be one of the top Christian artists, sang with the Imperials, was one of the top contemporary Christian artists all throughout the 80s into the 90s. Well, Russ Taff was his young youth pastor. And so he's sitting there. All of a sudden, a, a, as they're eating, a, a couple gets up and is on their way out and stops. Said, hey, are you Pastor Savell? And he, they said, yes, sir. He said, we were in a meeting that you preached at in such and such Arkansas about three months ago. And God talked to me and my wife this morning and said, we needed to send an offering to your ministry. And you're about to save us the cost of a stamp. Here you go. Handed him the check right there. Left. And when they, when he, once they left, he looked at the check. It was enough to cover every part of the expense of the trip, all those breakfasts that they had to buy, and more. And so he knew, the Lord said, if I can provide for you here, you better believe I can provide for something insane like an airplane. And he said, okay. And so he, he, told, he told Russ staff, he said, there's my ear. I got my blade, there's my ear. Now I just got to wait for the corn. And a few months went by, and he f just flew back into town from preaching. Uh, the pilot administrator guy picks him up from DFW Airport and says, hey, somebody called and left this message for you, and, and handed him a note. And it was a couple 
that he and his wife knew, and they said, hey, could you join us for dinner tonight? So he said, yeah, pull, pull over in this guy. It was before cell phones, right? Pull over in the gas station. Let, let me give him a call. So he got on the pay phone, called, said, yeah, we'll, we'll meet you for dinner tonight, and they made the arrangements. Later that evening, they're, they're there at dinner. This is a couple that they had known, uh, didn't attend their church, but they had known them for quite a while. And they said, last year the Lord spoke to us and told us to sew our airplane into your ministry, but it still had debt on it, and we didn't want to give you something with debt. And it turns out a good friend of ours called us a week ago and said, how much do you owe on your airplane? God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to pay it off. And I said, so now the airplane's paid off and we need to hand it to you. And he flew in that little plane all over the place to facilitate his ministry until the time came he had to get something because he was getting invited to Africa and he needed something where he could get to Africa. So what did he do? He said, well, I need an airplane. I'm going to sew an airplane. So he sewed an airplane into someone else's ministry. His airplane, he sewed it into someone's ministry. And it, was, it didn't happen overnight. It was a number of years. But the Lord delivered an airplane that could get him to Africa to minister. Uh, Debt-free. And that's, that's how seed works. Now, God has not given Gathering Church the need to have an airplane. Right? <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine? Alex, I'm praying for a helicopter just because I want you to take me up in the air. Alex is the helicopter pilot. God has not given us that need. Now, who knows what he has in the future? God hadn't even given a need. I asked him, I asked him if I could have a Lamborghini. He said, I haven't given you a need for a Lamborghini. So that's a good point. Thank you for my Kia Soul. <laughs> it's debt free. It's not even about things. It's not about objects and items. It's just about a, a way of living. If you have, my brother, pastor, you doing well? You look good in pink, man. I'm telling you, you look, y'all would look ridiculous if I got up and preached in that thing. And that's a sharp looking jacket too. You'd look at me like I was crazy, but he looks awesome. It's not about things. It's, it's about trusting him and trusting the process. Everything you have is seed. If you have a need, sow a seed. And watch and be patient. But ask God, show me when the blade comes up. Show me when the ear appears. Show me when the corn is ready so I can harvest it. So the nature I want you to get this, year, this week is blade, ear, corn. Last week was what? When you sow a seed, it grows and becomes. Amen. We got one more, one more group of three we'll learn next week, but we'll save it for next week. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to pray. Those of you who've been praying about year-end giving, claim it as seed. Claim it as seed when the time comes. And know that God's going to bless you for it. He'll, he'll give you the blade. He'll give you the ear. He'll let you know when the corn has come in. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you and we trust you. We trust your word more than we trust life itself. Father, teach us. Teach us to be great sowers into your kingdom. To sow your word. That's the greatest seed we could sow. 
is your word, to sow your word into the lives of others. Because your word is life. And your word never returns void. It's a harvest that's guaranteed above anything else. When we sow your word, we're sowing you because you are the word, Lord Jesus. You are the bread of life. Father, teach us to sow love. Teach us to sow grace. Even when folks don't deserve it, that's where grace comes in. Teach us to sow faith. If we need faith, help us to sow it, Lord. Speak it into others' lives. And help us, Father, to have faith that all the seed that we've already sown, it's going to grow and become something great. So we praise you for identifying the blade and the ear and the corn for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing one more time. Jesus, take it all. That's really what he wants. He wants everything. Every part of you. He wants your heart. If you, the Bible says if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. You got to give it away. And in doing so, you step into greater life than you've ever known. Amen. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, I want to invite you to do so. All you have to do is believe in your heart that he rose from the dead in three days and speak out with your mouth, Lord, you, Jesus, you are Lord. You are master. You are king. I give you everything. And find someone to confess that to. Let them know, hey, I made a decision. This week, Thursday, in the public school, we had two more children give their life to Jesus. It makes seven on the school year. Seven children, seven beautiful children. And that's what it's about. Hey, we're trying to learn to live in faith and have a great time in the kingdom, but we want to take a whole lot of people to heaven while we're at it. Amen. Amen. Let's worship one more time. If you need prayer for anything, you can hunt me down over in the corner or grab your neighbor, ask him to pray with you. Amen. Jesus, have it all.